All right. Well, good morning, everybody. I love you guys, man. Right. <laughs> it's nice to be able to say that without uh, strong drink or other sort of weirdness going on. You know what I mean? Like, this is the fellowship that we have together, that we are brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and grandparents and uh, no husbands or wives, though, in the kingdom. Sorry, folks. But uh, we are all in the same family. We're all in the same family together. And here's what's great about families. Family's always family. All right? Now, you got people in your family. You don't want to tell other people that they're in your family. Right? And you got people in your family that you love to be around. And you got people in your family that sometimes it's tiring to be around. Right? I'm, I'm that guy. But they're still family. And the family that we have, we have, and you say, we say this in the world, well, they're, they're blood. They're blood. They're blood. Oh, man. Well, the blood that makes us family is the strongest blood, the most powerful blood, the most incredible blood in the history of all of the universe and of all of the eons. The blood that holds us together, the blood that binds us together is the same blood that has forgiven us and has restored us and brought us back into relationship with God the Father in which we were lost because of our own sin, because of our own iniquities and shortcomings, as the scripture says, we had a broken fellowship. We had a broken relationship with the Lord God because he's perfect and he's righteous and he's holy and he's just and he's true and he cannot abide sin and it cannot be in his presence. And so when we were helpless and when we were his adversaries and when we were lost and we were separated, he sent his only son who died on the cross freely and willingly. He shed his blood to be that propitiation for us, to be that covering for us. And as the writer of Hebrews says, to be in every way above and superior to every element of the law and the sacrificial system in that we have freedom to boldly enter into the presence of God. As far as the tabernacle goes in a spiritual sense, we're not able to... Because most of you, I think all of us are probably Gentiles here. Is there any Jews here? we have any Jews? We have one Jewish person. See, you're the only one. You can't even go near the place without getting smoked, right? And that's under the law. But now, because of Jesus Christ, because of the sacrifice, the final sacrifice for all time for sin, not only can we go into the courtyard, a bunch of filthy Gentiles, right? You know that the priests and the, and the teachers of the law back in Jesus' time literally believed that Gentiles were created by God for the express purposes of feeding the fires of hell. <laughs> Isn't that encouraging? Oh, isn't that wonderful? Let's go to church. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we're going to burn, but let's go. You know, it's like, wow, that's really what they believed. But now, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible says we can come close. We can draw near. We can not only go into the courtyard, but we can pass by the, the altar of sacrifice, and we can pass by the brazen laver for washing, and we can enter into the holy place where the light of God is litten by the oil of his Holy Spirit. Litten? Did I say litten? Is lit by the oil of his Holy Spirit. And the table of showbread, which represents for all time the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we celebrate by taking communion together the bread of his body and the wine of his blood and we can pass by that and we can go through the impenetrable curtain that could never be passed through on pain of death but that was split from top to bottom on the day that Jesus died and we can enter into the holy of holies 
where the ark of the testimony resides. And the ark of the testimony is all the law and all the purity and all the righteousness of God. And it's overlaid with the mercy seat. And once a year, once a year and only once a year, the high priest would go into the the holiest of holies and he would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat and thereby God would allow it to be taken for atonement for the sins of the people. But it would have to be done again and again and again, year after year after year, because the sins of the people are inexhaustible. They repeat, they continually recycle, don't they? But Jesus, the Bible says, he died Once for all, for all, I don't think that we even can in our present state and in these bodies of flesh and in these these simple minds that we possess, that we can even begin to fathom, as the Bible says, what is the height and the breadth of the love that God has for us. And what exactly was won for us that day, that day? And so we have the unique, distinguished, and incredible privilege and honor of breaking open the Word of God, turning back to the Old Testament, turning back to the Torah, turning back to the five books of the law, and going through these things. And instead of seeing a rule book, instead of seeing all of these things that were required to have fellowship with God, and all of these things that were required to cover continually for all of the sins that we were committing day by day, we can see in this, completion. The Bible literally says that all of the words of the law, all of the things that were contrary to us, contrary to us by nature, because God's law is holy and we are sinners, have been taken. All of the handwriting of requirements have been taken and nailed to the cross. Remember Jesus said to his disciples, I have not come to abolish the law. That's not why I'm here. We as Christians do not discount the law. We as Christians do not say that the law of God no longer exists and those things are no longer relevant. No, not at all. Jesus Christ said that until heaven and earth pass away, his word will in no wise pass away. Not one jot or tittle, not one punctuation point of the law will pass away. But he said, I've not come to abolish it. I've come to fulfill it. I've come to fulfill it. Remember after Jesus died and before all of his disciples had realized that he had risen from the grave and a few of them are walking uh, on the the road to Emmaus and a stranger comes in and begins to walk with them and they don't know that it's the risen Lord. They're in such a stupor because of their lack of understanding and also because of 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 the deep sadness and mourning that they were in. And so seemingly to them, the stranger just falls in step with them and begins walking and asking them, what are you talking about? So they begin to recount to this stranger all the events that had taken place and the, the ministry of this Jesus who it was said would, 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 be, would be the Messiah and would be the Redeemer and the Savior of Israel. And yet, and yet, he lost. And yet, we thought he would be the Messiah. We had hoped, they said. We had, past tense, hoped, past tense, that he would be the Savior of Israel. But now he's dead. And Jesus began to teach them. Oh, you who are slow (laughs) of learning and understanding, don't you know 
that the Messiah had to suffer such things. And as they walked along the road, Jesus began to open the scriptures from the book of Genesis to the last book of the, of the, of the, of the prophets and began to expound to them all of the ways that God had spoken to the children of Israel down through the ages that the Messiah had to come and he had to suffer and he had to be bruised and he had to be broken for us. Because don't you see, he is the final sacrifice. That he is the completion of everything that you have practiced since you were little children. And everything that you've learned from the Torah and that you've learned of the law. And every time you've gone with your mothers and fathers to offer sacrifices at the temple, everything was speaking of Messiah. And Jesus opened their eyes to the scriptures. And then when they went to break bread... He appeared to them, they saw the holes in his hands, and then he disappeared from their presence. Amazing. Don't you want like a video of that walk? Can you imagine that message? Just Jesus going through the entire book of the law. and expo- I'm sure there's a hundred verses that no preacher, no, no, no theologian, no learned wise man in, in, in the Greek and Hebrew text has ever dreamed of pulling out of the Scripture what Jesus pulled out of the Scriptures that day. Can you imagine? If I can get off my face once we get to heaven, right? Once we get there, and if I can get off my face long enough and, and, and get, you know, wake up from the absolute awe and wonder and, and that I'll be in, I'm sure, and being in His presence, I want, like, hey, can, can we get some replays real quick? Can we just get like a quick, because I mean, all things are possible. So like you could just throw it up. Like, you know what I mean? Like throw it. I just want to replay. I want to hear that message. You know, he'll probably be like, oh, you who are slow. Of, you know what I mean? <laughs> so that's why when we study the, the Old Testament together, you know, and, and, and man, we've become, we've become a people who, uh, I don't know if it's intimidation or because we've had the Bible. You know, the thing that you, that you love the most sometimes you can take the most for granted. We know this from our marriages, that, that the, the, the one that's there day by day and the one who's always faithful and the things that are always, the people that are always there for you, man, you can begin to take them for granted because they're always there and they've always been there and therefore they always will be there. And you can take it for granted. One of the things that, that, we, that we go through when, when a loved one passes away is, is I should have. I would have, should have, could have, right? I wished I would have. I wished I would have. I wished I would have. Wish we know that's a fool's errand because we're finite, man. We're finite. And all of those things is just the way life is. All of those things is just the way life is. But what God has accomplished for us and what God has won for us, but it's so easy to just take for granted this Bible. And especially when we're going through the Old Testament to just kind of, you know, yeah, 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 the law. Oh, you know what I mean? And, and it is at times. Listen, it is. As long as you're in the flesh, as long as we're here until the rapture happens or we're in glory, I'm going to look out and I'm going to see people yawning during my messages sometimes. And I hope you know I don't ever take that personally. I don't. I mean, I yawn during my dad's messages. It happens. You think, no way, no possible way. I've been listening to this man preach for a thousand years. A thousand and guess what? Sometimes I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about something else. Or sometimes I'm just tired, you know, because my wife had me up all night. You know what I mean? Or something like that. Just kidding, babe. But I'm a human being and I'm just me, right? And I get it. 
As long as we're in the flesh, there's going to be the, and the, the things that you think about when you're praying that pop into your head when you're reading the scripture and you're, like, you're looking for the lightning bolts. Oh my goodness. What is wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Well, you're a human being. And God allows these things in our lives so that if there ever is the, the, the day or that you begin to think that somehow you've arrived. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I've arrived. I love talking to young Christians. You know what I mean? They're all fired up. And, you know, I just really don't think as uh, Christians we ought to do anything other than uh, take communion and pray. And I see you bought a car. That's worldly. I don't understand why. You know, because they're so, they're so, and it's beautiful. They're like babes in Christ. and They're so zealous. And, but then you walk with Christ for 30 years, right? I'm looking out here. I see lots of, lots of 30, 40, 50-year walks with the Lord. And you go through life. And life just never says, how was your week? How was your week, brother? How was your week, sister? (laughs) Same as last one, you know. Like a hamster in a wheel. And if you're not the lead dog, the scenery never changes, you know. And it's the same as last week. And it's a blessed thing. And we're so blessed to live in the place that we live in and the time that we live in. But you know what I'm talking about, right? It's just ho-hum. And it's just always there. And we believe in the promises of God and we believe that this is the Word of God. But I don't take the time every single time that I open this. To, if, can you imagine if you could see with spiritual eyes? You know that, 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 that song that we sing about, when my faith will be my eyes. Whoa. If we could see with eyes of faith to, to look at this book every time we look at it and what this is. Do you know what, what happened for this book to be in your lap today? Or on your phone today? But what happened for that to happen and what God accomplished and the miracles that God did and the way in which God spoke and all of the things that had to come in place over the, over the expanse of time for this to be given to us that we might know God's will for our lives. And how if we could see the word of God as what it truly is with spiritual eyes and eyes of faith, how would we handle it then? How would we handle it then? And again, Christian, this is never, this isn't the beat yourself up day, Okay. All right, you know what I mean? This is not spanking time. This is, this is encouragement for one another because we need to stir each other up, do we not? We need to always be stirring one another up because we forget. And the reason that the Bible repeats itself is because we forget. But this word that God's given us is mighty and it's powerful and God seeks to speak to us through it. We can never stop learning. So with that being said, let's get into it. We are in the book of Leviticus still. <laughs> Chapter 6, still. No. <laughs> and we're going to be picking up in verse 24. Man, just the, I, I'm, I know I'm riffing here today, but man, just the freedom. Like all that I just spoke about the Bible, what this, what this Bible is, what this book. But this thing itself is just also of this world. I'm talking about the leather and the, and, the, and the ink and the paper. There's nothing sacred. It's a book. It's not, you know, falls apart. You buy a new one. No big deal. That everything that we have in God through Christ is here, you see. To, to, to someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ, who doesn't have the Holy Spirit within them to open this to them and reveal to them what this book is teaching and saying, it's just a book. If someone's using this to like, you know, even up their dining room table or something, I don't take an offense by that. This is, this is the material of the book. Just like I'm just material, this is a biomechanical suit that gets, that gets dirty and stinky and it grows in places that I don't want it to, you know. This is not who I am. And you know this when you go to a funeral and you look at the body in the casket and you say, that's not her. 
That's not really him. You see that something is left and all that remains is that, that suit that passes away. Um, sorry. Leviticus chapter 6, starting with verse 24. This is the law uh, of the offerings concerning the sin offering. And also the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons saying, This is the law of the sin offering. In the place where the burnt offering is killed, the sin offering shall be killed before the Lord. It is most holy. The priest who offers it for sin shall eat it in a holy place. It shall be eaten in the court of the tabernacle of meeting. Everyone who touches its flesh must be holy. And when its blood is sprinkled on any garment, you shall wash that on which it was sprinkled in a holy place. But the earthen vessel in which it is boiled shall be broken. And if it is boiled in a bronze pot, it shall be both scoured and rinsed in water. All the males among the priests may eat it. It is most holy. But no sin offering from which any of the blood is brought into the tabernacle of meeting to make atonement in the holy place shall be eaten. It shall be burned in the fire. So, first thing uh, that we see here is that this is the law of the sin offering. In the same place where the burnt offering is killed, the sin offering shall be killed before the Lord. It is most holy. Now, this is concerning the sin offering, but it has to be offered. It has to be slaughtered in the same way that the burnt offering was slaughtered. And as you go through uh, the burnt offerings uh, and, the, the, and you know the, the, the sacrifices for fellowship and for peace and for all these different things, and depending on what the sacrifices that were brought, they were offered up to God in different ways, and they were actually slaughtered in different places according to God's word and according to God's will. Now, specifically, an offering that was a sin offering that was of the flocks, in other words, it was a lamb, or it was a sheep or a goat, a kid of the goats, uh, anything that was of the flock was to be slaughtered on the north side of the altar. Interestingly enough, on the north side of the altar. And that's where Golgotha is in, in correspondence to Jerusalem. It is on the north side of the city. And it is also in correspondence with the temple on the north side of the entire temple, but also on the north side of the altar. And that's where Jesus was sacrificed for us. Now, whether that is is meaningful or whether that was intentional, I tend to believe that everything in the Bible is intentional. You know, as, we go, as you go through and as you study the Word, you can, there's a lot of things that you think, well, that, that could just be coincidence. And it might just be coincidence. But I think it's always, you know, as you're studying the Word of God, err on the side of not thinking it's a coincidence. That everything that God is doing is planned out and orchestrated. And everything that God was doing and the, and the ways in which God was prescribing the things be done was to, was to point to Jesus Christ. He was crucified on the north side of Jerusalem, of course, outside the gate. And we're going to get into that. Now, a couple of other things. Uh, the priest who offers it for sin shall eat it. In a holy place it shall be eaten. In the court, in the tabernacle of meeting. Uh, the meat eaten by the priest and family in a holy place. But I want you to understand that it's not the holy place. Okay? Just to kind of recap, 
okay, because that's what we're doing here a lot is recapping. You had the tabernacle of meeting. You had the tabernacle itself. And then around the tabernacle was the entire courtyard. And in that courtyard, you had the entranceway, and then you had the altar, uh, uh, the burnt offer of bur- the altar of burnt offerings. And then you had that brazen labor where, where, where it was to be washed. And then when you went actually into the tabernacle, you had the holy place, and then you had the holiest of holy places. So there's a distinction to be made. When it says here, the priest who offers it for a sin shall eat it in a holy place, it shall be eaten. It's not talking about the holy place. It's not talking about where the uh, altar of showbread and the altar of incense and the menorah was, but in a holy place, and all of the tabernacle was holy, if you understand. And now it specifically says, in the court of the tabernacle of meeting. That's where it was to be eaten. That was still a holy place, and that was where it was supposed to be eaten. And the other thing I want you to notice is that it says, um, everyone who touches, touches its flesh, not will be holy, but must be holy. And God is setting aside this offering here, and he, he's showing the, the, the uh, importance of it and the sacredness of it. That this is an offering that is offered up for sin, and these are very, very important things. And they were held to these things, okay? It has to be eaten. It has to be eaten, remember. And anything that wasn't eaten, you guys remember what happened to it? Anything that was left over that they couldn't eat would be burned, Right? Every part of the sacrifice had to be consumed. Every single part of it. There was nothing ever left over. God speaking to the children of Israel that he wanted all of it. He wanted all of our sacrifices. He wants all of who we are. He wants to be completely, uh, he wants to completely consume our lives in a good way. Just as he wants us to have all of him. So all of it was to be consumed. But anyone who eats this must be holy. In other words, they already had to have had their sins atoned for. They needed to be in right standing with the Lord to touch this sacrifice meat and to eat the sacrifice meat. They had to be in a state of holiness. In other words, they had had to have already offered any sacrifices for themselves that they had needed to be offered, and they also needed to be ceremonially clean. In other words, when you partake of this sacrifice, it needs to be done with sobriety. It needs to be done carefully. It needs to be done in a diligent manner. It's not just, hey, let's eat some barbecue, you know, and get me some wet wipes. It was, no, it was, it was serious. It was not just to be munched on and chewed. This is not even their main food. Even them eating it was symbolic of them consuming a part of this sacrifice and taking it into themselves. That was a part of God accepting the sacrifice on their behalf, the priest eating this meat, okay? Now, the other thing I want us to notice is that in verse 27, uh, anyone who touches its flesh must be holy, and when its blood is sprinkled on any garment, you shall wash that on which it was sprinkled in a holy place. So now, in the sacrifice of this sin offering, as it was being sacrificed, as it was being slaughtered, guess what? You're going to get blood on you. The tabernacle was a bloody, bloody place. I mean, when I say bloody, a bloody, bloody place. It was a bloody business. It was never supposed to be something that you would look to and go, wow, that is, that is, that is beautiful. You're almost supposed to be like, you know what I mean? Not like the disgusting, but like, wow, like the cost, the cost of sin being atoned for. 
Even back then, and even though it's animals. Because remember, when they offered their sacrifices, what was it supposed to be? The very, very best. Your prized show lamb. Your prized show cow. Your prized show pigeon. You know, or the very best of the grain that you had if you were poor. It was the very best that you had that you possessed. The very best. And then you bring it to the temple and watch it slaughtered. It was supposed to be, oh. And any of that blood that got on the garments of the priests offering the sacrifice, that blood also had to be dealt with. Oh, don't worry, you know, it'll just dry. You put some, put some, I got some stain stick. You put that on that. No, no. It had to be dealt with. Even the sprinkles of blood that accidentally sprinkled on their garments had to be washed out in a holy place. Are you, you understanding what I'm saying here? This is serious stuff. God takes this very seriously. This idea of atonement, this idea of... There's a yawn. The first yawn comes from my father. All right, I'll take that. Even though it's not true. Okay. The awesome, the awesome price, the cost... And how sacred and how meaningful and how real and how powerful that sacrifice is. Listen to me. Every single part of it. You get an accidental drop of blood on your garments. That's not a part of the sacrifice. That's not a part of you eating the sacrifice. That's not a part of it being burnt. That needs to be dealt with too. You go and you find that spot, inspect your garments, any spot, and wash it out in a holy place. So that even that smallest drop of blood is accounted for. God, again, this is so important. So this is why Jesus wept when he stood over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, you who stoned the prophets. How long I've sought to gather you under my wings as a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. You would not. And he says, if only you knew that in this your day, that when Jesus entered into Jerusalem and what we call the triumphal entry or Palm Sunday was the culmination of all of these prophecies. That's why when the disciples were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Whether they knew what they were saying or not, it was the messianic psalm. It was the messianic psalm that they were singing. And it was meaningful and it had to happen that day. And that's why when the priest said to him, tell your uh, disciples to be quiet because they're saying you're the Messiah. He said, if they were to remain silent, what? The stones would cry out because this is the day of the culmination of everything that was pounded into your head from the time that you could speak or understand what was going on around you about the sacrifices and the temple and the worship and all the ways in which you were to honor God. This is the culmination of it. This is the fulfillment of it. And you can't even see. Every drop of blood so important. Every part of the sacrifice so important. Now, in the eating uh, of this meat... It says down in verse 28, But the earthen vessel in which it is boiled shall be broken. And if it is boiled in a bronze pot, boiled, not broiled, boiled in a bronze pot, it shall be both scoured and 
rinsed in water. So in other words, what God is saying here is the meat of this sacrifice, when you boil it in uh, an earthen pot, an earthen vessel, okay? And, and a, lot of, a lot of the laws and a lot of the restrictions that God gave the people, especially when it came to diet and things of this nature, was to keep them healthy, was to keep them from gaining diseases, was to keep them from being unclean in the sense of they didn't understand what germs were. They didn't understand... You know, the, 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 uh, I don't think, uh, what's, the, what's the thing when you, the lettuce, the bad lettuce we always get up here. Salmonella, <laughs> you know, the bad lettuce that we get sometimes. You know, that's, they didn't know anything about that stuff. And God's saying, you're going to be boiling meat constantly in this. And I would think that, hey, you boil it in the, in the pot, you know, it'd be okay. But God says, I want it to be broken. And I don't even think it's necessarily because of germs, but maybe because of the fact that an earthen pot is porous. And if there's anything of that sacrifice that could be absorbed into that earthen pot that you couldn't wash, simply wash out, and it would then therefore remain. No, no, that's got to be consumed as well. That part of it has to be every single bit of the sacrifice. So if it's an earthen pot, break it. Break it. Because that has to be then offered. But if it's in a bronze pot, then you can scour it. You know, you get out your SOS pads. And you can scour it, scrub that thing, scrub that thing to get every single piece, every morsel, every, any part that even might remotely remain of that sacrifice has to be dealt with. All of it, every single bit of it. No sacrifice that had blood brought into the holy place was to be eaten. Verse 30. But no sin offering from which any of the blood is brought into the tabernacle of meeting to make atonement in the holy place shall be eaten. It shall be burned in the fire. Now, what is he talking about here? At various times, and usually it was uh, at certain times in the year or for certain sacrifices that God had said that that blood from that specific sacrifice at that time needed to be brought into the holy place and sprinkled before the veil, remember, and also put on the horns of the altar of incense. Anything that had at any sacrifice that part of its blood was brought into the holy place, where the presence of God was, that was not to be eaten. Every single bit of that sacrifice was to be burned. And God is, again, he's making a distinction here. This is not just your everyday sin, sin offering that a person comes, it's offered, uh, it's put on the altar of, uh, of, of the burnt altar of burnt, of burnt offerings and burnt up there and the blood is sprinkled there around the altar and then the, the meat, some of the meat is cooked and eaten and the rest of it is taken outside the camp and burned. This that was brought into the tabernacle was made holy by the presence of God. And God was making a distinction here. These sacrifices you may not eat. God's making a distinction here still, even with the sacrifice, even with the blood, even though that I'm allowing this to take place to forgive you of your sins, you're still not right with me. You're, you're still not there yet. All of these sacrifices and all of these things and the, and, the, and, the, and the absolute utmost care in which I'm asking you to take and offering, it's not still enough. There's still a distinction. And so if it's taken and it's offered in the holy place where it, where it takes part in my presence, I'm sorry, but you can't eat that. You, you can't have that much of me. See, that was speaking to something again in the future. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews Chapter 13, we'll, we'll finish off with some really good news. 
Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, starting with verse 10. Oh boy, this is the good news. We're going to finish with some really, really good news. And, and I want you to see here and I want you to understand here the privilege, the privileged position that you have. That, that the greatest high priest in the history of the nation of Israel could never approach what you have in Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 10. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. Now, all through the book of Hebrews, the writer has said, in no way could the blood of rams and bulls and goats and pigeons and turtle doves and all these things really atone for sin. But Jesus, Jesus, the final and whole sacrifice for all sin, for all time, which gives us that ability for fellowship with God that even the high priests never were able to have. What we've been given through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, those who serve at the tabernacle have no right to eat for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are then burned outside the camp. This is that sacrifice we're talking about that was brought into the tabernacle and some of its blood sprinkled before the veil and put on the horns that the people had no right to partake in and the rest of it was taken and burned outside of the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, Let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city. Talking about Jerusalem. Talking about Israel. The city of the great king, where all of the Jewish people's hopes and dreams lie. But the writer of Hebrews says, here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore, by him, that is Jesus, Let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. No longer the fruit of the crops. No longer the fruit of the herds. No longer the fruit of the flock. But the fruit of our lips as it comes from our heart. Because we have been been atoned fully for. And we have been granted complete access to the presence of God, not only here, not only here, but in the kingdom to come. So that the writer of Hebrews says, we don't take hope in this city anymore. It's not about, you know, Father Abraham and Jerusalem. I mean, that was it. Moses, Abraham, Moses, and Jerusalem. Abraham, Moses, and Jerusalem. But God has given not only forgiveness of sin, not only granted us access to be in his presence, but has granted us citizenship in heaven. Citizenship in heaven. Wow. So that now, I don't, God says, I don't require sacrifices of you. The sacrifice has been made. I don't need tradition and perfect works from you. Jesus has accomplished that as well. In fact, they would have been nailed to the cross. I want the fruit of the praise of your lips from your hearts. That's the offering that God's looking for. And it's given freely. And it's given in spite of ourselves. 
that no matter how bad we blew it this week, because of what Jesus has already done, we can come into this place, our little tabernacle, understanding that the true tabernacle and the true place that God dwells is in our hearts, and freely we can offer the praise from our lips and give Him our best. And when our best isn't good enough, and when we fall short, guess what? That's covered too. The freedom that we have, the grace that God has given us because of what Jesus accomplishes is amazing. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, accomplishing all of these things that you were promising in the Old Testament, Lord. Though the Old Testament saints couldn't see clearly, Lord, what we now know to be true, Father, that all of these things were brought to pass, were brought to fruition, and were brought to a culmination in the man, Jesus Christ, and his sacrifice at the cross, and him rising from the dead, Lord. Uh, that we have uh, a reality uh, and a relationship with you, Father, that the Old Testament saints could only dream of, Father. We pray that you'd help us to live in that, Lord, and to not take that for granted, and to not forget, Lord, by what great price it was purchased for us. But every single day, Lord, rise up out of our place seeking to follow you a little bit better today, to know you a little bit more today, that we would determine in our hearts and determine in our minds and determining our daily schedule, and determining in, determining where we go, and determining what we listen to and watch, and determining every part of who we are, Father, that we're going to serve you a little bit better today. That we're going to seek to draw closer to you because we can, because we've been granted full and complete access by the blood of the Lamb. Help us to realize that. Help us to see with eyes of faith, Lord. Thank you. We praise you. We glorify you. We ask that you would be with us. I pray that you bless all of my brothers and sisters here. I pray that you'd be with them as they go, that you'd watch over them and protect them. I pray that you would cause your face to shine upon them. You would be gracious to them, Lord, that you'd bless their homes, that you'd bless their families. Uh, Lord, that you'd bless the work of their hands and that you would be with them as they rise and as they fall and as they come and as they go, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, fam.